when the first three months of the year are higher like they were this year, the rest of the year is higher 18 out of 19 times. Really impressive, but there's almost a 10% correction on average in the middle there. So lots of different market signals, name of our podcast, that do suggest this bull market's alive and well. But there's also a lot of market signals that suggest this volatility. We were spoiled by how non-volatile the start of this year was. This is kind of how markets work. You tend to see 3 to 4 5% corrections a year. We haven't seen one so far this year. I'm going to write about that later this week on our blog, LPResearch.com. Put in perspective, again, you know, 5% correction usually happens. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, John. Happy Monday to you. Thank you. Happy to you as well. Everything going okay? You want the truth? Yeah, let's bring it on, brother. <laughs> so let's see here. Last week, John, as you know, I took off a little bit because we had a very hot house. It was That's the right. air conditioning unit. Now, long story short, apparently up in the attic, I let my daughter go up and turn the attic light off. And what I had to pay $100 to find out was she didn't turn the attic light off. She actually turned the whole air conditioning unit off along with the attic light. So we fixed that, and that's okay. But then on Saturday... Cheaper than a new air conditioning system? It, it was, the whole scope of things. And on Saturday, I didn't have hot water. So now, currently, I'm di- dealing with uh, potentially buying a new hot water heater. My wife just texted me an hour ago. Have you bathed before this podcast? I just shower at work now. So, yeah, okay. I All right, good. I, this I'll is keep cold my distance. Shower. Exactly. It's a big studio. That's right. And then, let's see here. We're, there's a couple things going on. So then that, and then... um. Oh, she just sent me a note that the garage door is not shutting, so that's wonderful. This was just an hour ago, and literally, as you sat down, John, she just sent me another one. I can show you the phone. Now her seatbelt isn't working, so she's using the passenger side seatbelt to strap in from her seatbelt all the way across her body. So, you know, it's all relative, but just little the, things the, the are little adding nuisance, up all of a The little nuisances of life. But we had a wonderful Mother's Day, and that's Good. what's important. We won our soccer game again, 6 nothing, and Gus, my youngest, the six-year-old, actually had a hat trick. All right. So he's playing two years messy. older than him. So the kids two years older, he had a hat trick. It was exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you guys had a awesome family weekend, I yeah, believe, right? Yeah, big deal. It was a big deal. First off, happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. And right. uh, you know, we celebrated with my wife yesterday, and uh, my daughter graduated from college the other day. So we had, a, we had a real nice time. So that was all very rewarding, you know, when you see your children overcome adversity, pursue their dreams, stay on that path for their dreams. And you also realize they still can't make their bed, but they can still accomplish something in life. You know, it is, it's rewarding nonetheless. So we had, a, we had a delightful time. And then we woke up this morning to new tariffs and new yes. tariffs. And, uh, back to reality. Mark it down 500 at the open. So we're, we're back at it now, folks. And uh, what we'd like to cover today uh, from a Market Signals podcast, certainly uh, trade is clearly an issue and how the market's reacting. We actually... As you all know, we have uh, went to market weight on equities probably seven weeks ago after two Fed meetings ago. We'll talk a little bit more about what we wrote in our weekly market commentary this week about some of the affected sectors on trade, and then finally reiterate that really good productivity number we had uh, a week or so ago and how that is so terribly important for CapEx to help sustain the expansion as workers become more efficient. We can produce more output and not sacrifice margins, so therefore we can extend not only the economic but also the market cycle. But first and foremost, trade. Uh, uh, front and center, you know, we're, we're, we're close to a deal, then we're not close to a deal, close to a deal, then we're not close to a deal. We get a tweet, then we get the reality, you know, several days later last week that on that $200 billion, we've gone from 10 to 25% on tariffs. No, you're right, John. You know, honestly, two weeks ago, we probably thought we might have been sitting here saying, hey, everything's all wrapped up with China. That was the consensus was this past Friday was probably going to kind of put a bow on it and wrap things up. Clearly, that's not the case. Now, one thing that caught me, you mentioned tweets. 
President Trump was obviously very active on Twitter, sharing his thoughts. And this weekend was, I think, a little more aggressive with kind of the, the tweets he was directed to China. But it almost seems like Washington agrees with him. His good friend Chuck Schumer actually had a really kind of aggressive tweet toward China saying, President, please stay strong against China. This was on May 5th. But it seems like Washington agrees with President Trump in this one particular case. Everyone's kind of on one side. And it makes you wonder if everyone's going to really dig their feet in because, again, the the perception we have is there's a deal. China kind of backed away. And that's where the tariffs came in play. What do you think? Is Washington on his side here? Well, I'm chuckling because after the midterms, and in December, when the market sold off, you and I were saying, and in some cases, we were vilified for saying that the parties were closer together right. on infrastructure and trade than the consensus believed. And uh, the idea, I saw that this weekend, I just had to chuckle because, you know, Schumer's backing them up now. And uh, it's very valid. You know, you think about trade and what went on to a large extent, many companies sold their souls for the better part of five decades to get into a market with a billion people. And to the degree that business plan transfer, you know, started the deal, it was okay when we were making, what, tables and chairs and textiles. Exactly. But now that we're in a situation where it's cybersecurity issues, that's the big deal, right? I don't know if we all necessarily believe that aluminum is a national security threat or steel is a national security threat, but nonetheless, the national security threat comes from the cybersecurity issues. So it would appear, and you know, if you look at the first nine or 10 meetings, I guess last week was the 11th negotiation scheduled, seems we're a lot closer on goods than we are on services in the trade talks. And I think the trade talks really comes down from a services issue to what degree will cybersecurity really be addressed? And I suspect that's what's holding this up. Yeah, one of the quotes that stood out to me maybe a week or so ago I read about China was 80% of all pirated goods come from China. So right. like you said, I mean, this is nothing we don't know, but when you see how big the scope is, it's significant. Now, John, just we're recording this Monday morning, so just a little bit ago all the news broke, and I'm just going to kind of read it here. Almost 20, what China's doing is they're retaliating. $60 billion worth of goods they can retaliate on. They're going to raise about 2,500 specific goods. The tariffs tariffs as high as 25%. Things like animal products, frozen fruits, vegetables, seasonings, 25%. Now, if there's any positive to this, they're only raising vodka tariff 20%. So they're not going 25 on vodka. I didn't know we got vodka. I thought vodka was a Russian thing. Yeah. But nonetheless... They're, they're going, those are some goods that the U.S. citizens use, and they are jumping those. And that's, again, some of the other things they can do, maybe devalue the yuan. Um, they can keep increasing tariffs, but they only had $60 billion to work with here. So this is kind of that first stage because they're wondering what we're going to do on that $300 billion that's still sitting there. That's kind of the who's going to blink first. What do you think? Well, there, there are a couple of things there. Uh, first and foremost, you talked about devaluing the yuan. You know, we've noticed that every time the president doubles down on his criticism of the Federal Reserve, uh, Robert Lighthizer and Steven Mnuchin are in Beijing yes, they are. during the travel. So if we've had you know 10 or 11 negotiations, half of those were in Beijing. And the last five or six times the president has doubled down on the Federal Reserve, Mnuchin and Lighthizer were in to weaken the dollar, strengthen the yuan, and just apply the pressure. So uh, I'm glad Jerome Powell doesn't necessarily have thin skin because I think the president has a, another agenda when he's criticizing the Fed. That's the first point. Second point relative to trade with China, what's the breakdown? I guess it's 540 billion total. That's correct. Maybe 140 billion we export to China and 400 billion or so they export to us. 
Um, so it really is in their best interest to get a deal done, but it's not just soybeans now that it's services, right? So uh, whether it's a coming together on tariffs, if their average tariff is 9 or 10% and ours is 3 or 5%, I don't know, do we go to six or seven on average for each country? But then that's a total wash, so why even have them? Uh, but the president has been advocating tariffs. And the third point I wanted to make, who actually pays the tariffs? There's a great deal of confusion there. You right. say that uh, Senator Schumer was supporting Trump, over, President Trump over the weekend. But I also thought it was interesting in the morning talk shows yesterday I saw on the news last night. I did not see the shows. Uh, but my understanding is that he was very clear in stating that the U.S. consumer is going to be footing the bill for these tariffs right. in the form of higher prices that U.S. businesses have to pay at the port, at the point of entry route, if you will, and then that can get passed on down to consumers. So, you know, there are three deals to think about, whether it's the yuan, whether it's the president beating up the Fed for uh, curious reasons, and then you think about the amount, the disparity, $400 billion approximately versus $140 billion that we export. And then finally, uh, you know, the confusion as to does the consumer really pay? And we do believe that is the case. Yes. Now, you know, something that's important to note, the goods that are already on ships making the way over here obviously aren't going to be taxed. Some, again, this is brand new, just came out this morning. But what I'm seeing almost June 1st is when these this $60 billion worth of tariffs can go in play. So we're talking about it. Yes, the mm -hmm. tariffs are in play. But they haven't started impacting goods as of this second. So That's right. We're in the ninth inning, and there's a couple outs that there's still time uh, for some type of potential resolution. But both both teams are both or both sides are definitely just staring at each other, waiting for someone, someone to blink. Here. Someone to blink, exactly. So while you know Friday's news and and Monday's news, uh, you know, was unsettling to the markets. You know, you're you're very correct to point that out. You know, it's it's well, it's you. basically, and it's rare that I say that. Yeah, this is a whole recording, right? <laughs> Terrence is right here. Terrence helped us every That's week. Thank right. you, Terrence. He gave me a thumbs up. That was recorded. Don't cut it out, Terrence. He said I was right. Terrence, yeah. Terrence does a great job, keeps this th show running, so he we does. appreciate right. him so much. Um, but to the point that June 1st, it, I think investors, you know, the, the market seeing this quick little reaction here, obviously to the downside, but it's an additional three weeks of negotiating tactics as That's far right. as I'm concerned. So what are markets doing? Well, we're going to talk about that in this week's weekly market commentary here at LPL Research. We put it together. And, you know, John, we talked about this last week before kind of the market started to crack a little bit. This is Salome go away. This is the worst six months of the year. You tend to see an 11% peak to trough correction during these six months. What is Salome go away? It's widely known as from May to the end of October, kind of the worst six months of the year. That's fine, but things can happen, especially as we talked about during a pre-election year. 2015, mm -hmm. August, we had the Chinese uh, yuan devaluation issues and Chinese currency issues then, big sell-off. And then 2011, I guess it would have been the, uh, August, the Treasury downgrade, downgrade. So these things can happen. Sometimes it's just time for a correction. And like you said, about seven weeks ago, we went market neutral. We've been talking about use a pullback as an opportunity. Now we're starting to see it. How much further can this pullback go, though? S&P did find support of the 50-day moving average on yeah, Friday. Still As of the second, we're beneath it, though. What do you think? How much well, further can well, we pull back? You know, everyone's running around like their hair's on fire, but we're still exactly. we're still at the 50-day moving average. So, um, 
the 200 day is probably what on the S&P 500 2775 yeah, or think, so. Yeah, I think about 4% away. They'd be about a 6.5% correction approximately to hit the 200 day from right. the recent so, peak. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we peaked, I was just going to say, we peaked at say 2940 or so and a 6% correction would take us down to the 200 day moving average. 6% correction is on the low end of your average 6 to 10% right. type mm-hmm. pullback and as you all know, we went after the Fed meeting 7 weeks ago you know, we were very, very pleased with the way the market treated leading into that, right? That Monday and Tuesday before the Fed essentially said they were done for 2019 with their dot plot forecast, um, market bought the rumor and then sold the news that Wednesday afternoon after it was announced. So we were really pleased. But the next day, the market was up probably 2% and everyone was just drunk with success and giddy over the fact that interest rates would be or money would be free for the remainder of the year. And that's when we as a team said, okay, we're out because uh, we don't want, we don't think, uh, being a steward of our clients' assets, we don't think it's a good deal just to purely buy stock or to be overweight equities because money's free. That's not fundamentally sound in our in our opinion. At 28.50, 28.65 in that neighborhood where we were seven weeks ago, we just felt, okay, we're then 5%, six percentage points of our uh, year-end fair value estimate of 3,000 for the S&P 500. So we want un- everyone to understand that's not, we're not bailing on equities. The average account, balanced account still has 60% equity. So still riding that wave handsomely. And then you get coming into sell and may go away. You know, we had a 25% rally from the bottom. Uh, we had uh, other data that we saw with 10% gains in the first quarter, typically see 6% the remainder of the year since World War II. However, that's accompanied by a 9% pullback. Exactly. So there are there were a variety of reasons why we, we pulled in a little bit. And now we're, we're only starting to pull in. You know, if we closed, you opened the day down 2%, we were down 2% last week. You know, that's only 4% of what could be a 6 to 10% correction. If we're halfway there, you know, we're... We still have a little more to go. Exactly. You know, one of my favorite market quotes is Winston Churchill. He says, the further back into the past we look, the further into the future we can see. So let's wrap that up. What does that mean? Well, John, like you hinted at it, 25% rally, then we pull back 2.5%. Think about it. That's, you know, we're kind of being a little spoiled here to think that's all it's going to be. And that's why we think. First world problem. Exactly. So, you know, we took a look here. And again, this is in this week's weekly market commentary. I have it here. The average correction, John, from peak to trough, the first five months of the year for the S&P, about 8.5%. You know, so we're only 2.5% as of Friday, a little more as of Monday. So, again, put it in perspective, it's so rare to have a year start off this non-volatile and this strong, to be honest. Right. And this is just probably more normal than not. We're going to talk about productivity in the economy in a second. The economy still looks good. So, again, maybe we shouldn't panic so much here on this trade-driven sell-off, but it could be any reason for a sell-off after a 25% bounce, right? Yeah, trade's, trade's a convenient excuse, mm-hmm. right? You know, the yeah. market gets, what did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Acrophobia. Yeah, that's right. right. Fear exactly. of heights. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think, you know, again, we, we, we never want to be dismissive of market sell-offs, right? Because we know how emotionally threatening they can be to investors. But when you think about the normal course of investing, when you think about the abnormal or abnormal to quote Young Frankenstein, reaction that we had from the market sell-off in December, that 25% rally. You know, we're we're bound to see some sort of some sort of pullback. And if if a tweet or trade concerns are the convenient excuse, that's what we're seeing. But this is happening in the backdrop of a strong advanced decline line. This is happening in the backdrop of 3% GDP in the first quarter. Uh, this is happening in the backdrop of the best 
weekly claims for unemployment benefits. Three of the past week, four weeks were at 50-year lows. Uh, we're seeing 3% wage gains. You know, their productivity, which we'll discuss in a moment, was the best in, I guess, a decade or so, right? So when you, when you see all of this happening, given the backdrop that we're seeing, we just encourage all investors to recognize, yeah, you're going to see semiconductors or materials. You know, there's some of these uh, sectors that are most... Uh, industrials that have uh, the most exposure to China, you're going to see that play out. But nonetheless, it looks like first quarter earnings could be flat at best, right? Our favorite indicator from, from a fundamental standpoint, earnings and interest rates, and we got them both in our favor. That's right, John. You mentioned first quarter earnings. That's what I was going to jump in on. So we're about 90% done with first quarter earnings. As we discussed about a month ago, most expectations were earnings in the first quarter would be down about 3 to 4% year over year. Well, again, with 90% done, we're looking at a slight gain in year-over-year earnings. So it's not spectacular, but again, put it in perspective, uh, six weeks ago, people were talking about an earnings recession down this quarter, down next quarter. It's not looking like that. So right. again, we've, I said we've avoided the comment. Earnings are coming better than expected again, and the economy still continues to look pretty good. And let, why don't we bring that to the third and final point today on productivity, because productivity, you know, is really the mojo for economic growth. And you know, there's a, a great deal of discourse out there, you know, what inning are we in in the yes, there is. in this cycle? And it, it's really conceivable. We could be closer to the middle <laughs> of the game than the end of the game when you factor in that businesses really haven't been spending on CapEx until the past uh, year or so. And really that all occurred in the first half of 18. We're starting to reap the benefits of that. And we saw a pretty decent print in the first quarter on CapEx. So to the degree that business continue to spend on property, plant, equipment, uh, to the degree that you're seeing uh, productivity gains from massive software investment to make uh, businesses more efficient, that can help elongate the cycle from an economic standpoint because we can chug along at a slower but steadier pace, but also from a financial market or equity market in particular standpoint, if margins don't, margins don't erode to the degree that many investors feared last December, we can also see a, an improved profit cycle, which right. clearly the worst of the fears have not uh, come to fruition. No, that's right. So, you know, during this cycle, John, productivity has grown about 1.3% year over year. That's approximately half the 2.6% productivity that we saw during the last economic cycle. And if we go back in time, believe me, productivity was significantly higher. Now we're more of a developed country, and productivity will be a little bit lower relative. But still, 1.3% um, productivity here during this cycle is clearly quite low. And like you said, it's really tempered those overall market expectations. And if you can get the confidence that comes in with a potential trade deal, leads to higher productivity. It helps keep those profit margins in play, leads to higher wages, and extends the business cycle. Yeah, so if you've Sounds had, simple when you put it that way, but it's anything but simple, is it not? Absolutely. It's never simple, right? That's what, you know, that's what keeps us busy all these years. Um, we've averaged 1.3% this cycle. Correct. Uh, we were overjoyed doing backflips in the end zone when we saw 2.4% print on a year-over-year basis. Now, your back's the last hurting. Re- that's you, you right. didn't do a backflip. Well, no I wonder your back hurts I had you. trouble sticking the landing. Let's yeah, just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, but when you see a 2.4% yeah, uh, print on a year-over-year basis, yes, we were delighted with that. But that really is what the number should be. 
right? Well, if exactly. you think about all the product globalization, productivity enhanced investment, and w with the tailwind now of CapEx as well. So uh, we, we should be at, at a minimum steady, steadily printing two, two and a half percent productivity gains for the remainder of this cycle. Mm -hmm. And that should obviously help to extend the overall business cycle. Well, John, it looks like we've got maybe a minute or two. I don't want to give it away, but did you see Game of Thrones last night? I did see Game of Thrones. My, oh, my. Absolutely. We'll just leave Absolutely. it at that. That is, as I mentioned before, I was kind of behind watching Game of Thrones. I started watching season three, four, and five just over the past month, and I'm now caught up in real time. Right. So I am now caught up for next Sunday, well, the big uh, the big day. But boy, I've, last night was I've something. Been, I've been hooked from the start, and uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't a good Mother's Day for Mother of Dragons. No, let's just she, leave it at that. She, Yeah, it was not. My, my. So, yep. All righty. To wrap it up then, uh, we see the trade sell-off. This is uh, Monday morning, May 13th. We're taping this, and uh, uh, markets got off to a, a very ugly start, down about 2%, 500 on the Dow at the open. But we still maintain that uh, this could be a convenient excuse for the market to sell off because for so many reasons we talked about uh, why uh, you typically see this sort of rally, this sort of pullback after a, 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 such a such a handsome rally but also be mindful you know we also wrote a lot about in recent weeks about taking six months between a six-month pause between market highs if the average forward 12-month return is eight percent for the S&P 500 the average when the market has paused for six months forward returns is what 12 or 13 percent so it's you know there, there's there's something you know 50 percent higher than historical average returns but nonetheless that those also are accompanied by pullbacks in the range of 6 to 10%. So we think that's what we're experiencing, again, on the fundamental drop backdrop of profits, economic growth, employment growth, productivity growth. Uh, we believe it's nothing more, nothing less than uh, a, a correction. We do not see the fundamental backdrop suggesting this is anything recessionary or anything worthy of a bear market. Right, John, I'll just add to that. When the first three months of the year are higher like they were this year, the rest of the year is higher 18 out of 19 times. Really impressive, but there's almost a 10% correction on average in the middle there. So lots of different market signals, name of our podcast, that do suggest this bull market's alive and well. But there's also a lot of market signals that suggest this volatility. We were spoiled by how non-volatile the start of this year was. This is kind of how markets work. You tend to see three to four, five percent corrections a year. We haven't seen one so far this year. I'm going to write about that later this week on our blog, lpresearch.com. Put in perspective again, a five percent correction usually happens. Absolutely. We haven't had one yet. So. Absolutely. So to conclude, Ryan, thank you very much. Congratulations to your son Gus for the hat trick. Congratulations to Manchester City for winning the English Premier League. Good luck to Liverpool and Tottenham in the Champions League. And certainly for investors, focus on the fundamentals when seeing these trade concerns elevate market volatility focus on economic growth employment growth moderate inflation a federal reserve that remains a tailwind corporate profits that remain a tailwind and i think we're able to do that and see that improved capex uh, leading to further productivity growth we believe this cycle has longer to go so until next week we wish you all a happy and a safe one thanks so much well that's it for this episode Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical 
and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.